Fukushima Dreams, Chapter 3 It wasn't that strange, someone running. Everyone was running, screaming, crouching on the ground, arms over their heads. The warning siren wailed, and aftershock still rocked the earth. I didn't trust myself to keep my feet, but I had to get away. In the distance, faster than seemed possible, a white rush of water was creeping up the streets of Taro. Boats and bits of wood floated on its crest, and splintered buildings screamed in protest as it passed. I had a head start. I could outrun it. This would be my only chance to save myself, actually save my life. I lengthened my stride, feeling the pleasurable burn of warming muscles. Soon I'd run right out of town, following the road that wound up through the mountains. I was heading inland, to the forested areas where nature was left to go her own way, and casual visitors were rare. I stopped to catch my breath. I was used to running. That had been a constant in my life. When everything went wrong, I could go running, and rejoice in the physical control I had over my body. The speed, the freedom. I knew I could get a long way if I could only pace myself. What had happened back there? Living in Japan, I'd got used to tremors, constant grumblings of the continental plates. But this was different. This was really big, as big as the Hanshin quake of 95, at least. The giant waves that had destroyed the town had surely caused far more far-reaching destruction. All change again. With a quake of that mag magnitude... There'd be strong aftershocks for days. If there was going to be any more of that, I wanted to be on higher ground. The earthquake hadn't been part of my plans, but having made the decision to leave, it had provided perfect cover. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I decided to leave on a grey afternoon in March. I considered telling her, making one last attempt to fix things. But when I went into our bedroom, she lay with her face to the wall, as she had for days. Her eyes were closed. I waited a long moment before starting to pack. I found the hiking gear, sleeping bag, warm clothes, all that I would need for a trip to the mountains, without any sign from her that she was aware of the world at all. I'd been stockpiling foodstuffs for weeks already in a little shack that I'd stumbled across on one of my regular runs. But at this time of year, the cold would be the biggest issue. Soon, the pack was full. Then, beneath my feet, the floor had begun to shake. I fell. I remember striking my head. All around me, plates were falling from shelves and smashing. Pictures flew from the walls. I wanted to get out, but I couldn't stay on my feet. I grabbed whatever handholds I could find and made it out onto the street. There had been screaming and a loud, grinding, rumbling noise, a deafening roar that sounded like a thousand airplanes. Earthquake? I didn't immediately make the connection, but then it clicked. We were near the sea. Tsunami. For several long moments I considered going back into the house to try and stir my wife but it was too late. She would not respond. I could not explain. 
Sirens began to wail, sounding the warning. It was 3.5 RPM. I turned my face inland and started sprinting in earnest. Before long, I found myself in the forest, with a quiet hiking track stretched out before me. It was very quiet, and glancing at my watch, I saw it was only 4.30pm. It hadn't taken me long to leave the chaos behind. But what now? What was I running away to? I looked back down the path I had taken, a path that had started behind the cemetery at the edge of town. It was a regular run. I knew where it went. Soon it would join up with the hiking trails of the local nature preserve, a place I'd escaped to regularly since we'd moved north. The land rose sharply from the coast and was heavily forested. Further inland, where the crags were highest, the restricted zone started. And just inside this zone, I'd discovered an abandoned shack some months before. In that small, dilapidated retreat in the woods, I could think straight, away from the life that had become intolerable to me. So far, I'd rarely stayed overnight. Guilt had always dragged me back to family life, to her and the child. But the peace had come to seem more and more seductive. Bringing cans and noodles and other imperishable foodstuffs had come to seem like insurance for the future the moment I chose to disappear. Like a squirrel, I'd created several caches in case one or more of them were discovered. I'd always been planning on leaving, but it was a question of when. This time of year, it doesn't get dark until after five, but it was starting to get chillier already, in anticipation of the sunset. I settled my pack and headed for the cabin. The last part was off the trail and hard to find in the dark and I was looking forward to making myself a cosy bed for the night.